<laughs> and that's wonderful. I appreciate um, that we can fellowship around the word this morning. Oh, let's just pray. It's always a good time to pray. Lord, I just thank you for every woman here. Open our ears to hear something that we've not heard before. Open our hearts to receive something that you have just for us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we are your daughters. You are a good, good father. We are your sheep, and you are a good shepherd, and a good shepherd takes care of his sheep. And this morning, Lord, I know that as your sheep, we hear your voice and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. So, Lord, I thank you for the kind of truth that truly sets us free that can only come from your word. In Jesus' name, we all said amen and amen. All right. We started last week calling this Living the Transformed Life. And today, we might say chapter two, session two, we're going to call The Transformed Mind. And our verses that we're taking um, all of this from are found in Romans 12, 1 and 2. If we could put that up on the screen. Romans 12, 1 says in the Amplified Classic, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, and consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. A lot of extra words in there explaining a lot of things that we need to know about living this transformed life. Let's go on to verse 2. In Romans 12, and it says, Do not be conformed to this world and this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. How many of you know that the world is superficial and it has uh, these external, everything's about what's going on out here? And but instead of being conformed, we are to be transformed which is another word for changed, by the entire renewal of your mind. And our mind is going to be renewed by its new ideals and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. And I love the way that ends. This is for you. Sometimes we read the Bible and we think, oh, that's a nice verse for somebody. But this morning, I want you to know these truths are for you. I like to believe, and I know that when the Word of God was written, it was written by the Holy Spirit through men, obviously. But what was written could never be from men because it's alive and it's powerful. The word of God is what does the transforming. But our part is to present ourselves. Do you see that first part? We are to present our bodies, make a decisive dedication. Here I am, God, as a living sacrifice. And uh, we talked about last week how uh, sacrifices 
that were offered from way back in, in the Mosaic, uh, Abrahamic times, actually, and according to Mosaic law, were always killed first. They, so when Paul challenges the Romans here uh, to their thinking, to their traditional thinking, he's, he is challenging them to think outside of what they think that they know. And he says, now I'm not talking about the, the slain lamb and the bull, and they, they did doves and goats, and you know, they did a lot of, a lot of barbecuing, basically, on the altar of God uh, for a purpose at that time. But Paul is, but those animals were dead. He says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. And we said last week there were really two different times that the sacrifice was living when it was laid on the altar. And the first one is Isaac, when Abraham was told by God to offer and sacrifice. Ew, I mean, that would be a tough thing to hear from God. Go sacrifice your son on an altar. And and there were other... uh, gods being uh, worshipped by people in, in the foreign nations surrounding Israel who did sacrifice their children. And that's horrific. So I'm sure Abraham was saying, are you sure, God? Are you sure you want me to sacrifice my live son on this altar? And then, of course, he was about ready to do the killing. And God said, stop. Now I know your heart. Well, that was one living sacrifice that was laid on the altar. The other one was Jesus Christ himself. And he was sacrificed on the altar, but it was the the crucifixion on the cross. And he was that living sacrifice who paid the final sacrifice. No more sacrifice is necessary. So it's a beautiful picture of this living sacrifice. But now Paul is challenging us, be that living sacrifice. And we say, okay, I'll just try harder. I'll pray more. I'm going to get up earlier. And then we oversleep. And then we feel like, oh, I'm such a bad Christian. What's wrong with me? It's not a try harder gospel. It's a die harder gospel. Dying to our own efforts to be made right with God that final sacrifice, that crucifixion, paid the final price. Took away sin. It wasn't just a temporary cover. And the word says that Jesus died once for all. One time, last time necessary. And we are to consider ourselves crucified with Christ. But we still live in a body that talks to us. I had some moments last night. During the night, I felt like something was kind of trying to come on. And the thing that I uh, feel like the Holy Spirit has given me is to be alerted to something that's trying to come into my body. And it just had been a couple of days. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what, what God tells me to say, I should just say it this way, is that you take authority over that thing that's trying to take authority over you. How much room am I going to leave for that thing to creep in? And I started to feel like I might be getting a cold or something. And of course, your mind goes to, oh, you better go get tested. No, we're, we're not going there. And I'm fine. But I was able to say, I take authority over you in Jesus' name. I am not going to allow that uh, to to take authority over me in my body. So we still have to deal with our body. 
It's a part of us that ages. It's a part of us, you know, that um, can get sick. It's a part of us that someday will shed so that the real you can step out into your eternal destiny. I like to say that um, though death is difficult, um, there have been so many uh, wonderful people who have passed this past year in my own life. And yet, though we're going to miss them, their life never skipped a beat. Because when you step out of this world, you immediately step into, you begin your forever life with God. And so there's much to be comforted and much to celebrate in that just all on its own. But here we are saying, okay, I've got my body I'm dealing with. Now we're going, we're, I'm always battling thoughts in my mind. My, my mind is racing. Now I'm stressed. I don't know how I'm going to ever get all these things done. Whatever is constantly going around on the inside of our mind is something else that we need to deal with. But the good news is, because I don't think we've even finished that second verse, have we? Yes, we did. But the good news is, is that the transformation that we're looking for is by the renewal of your Mind, And so we're going to be talking today about the transformed mind. What does it look like? How do we get there? What is the process? Um, and if you're like me, I like to say, okay, give me, give me step one, step two, step three. I'll do everything I'm supposed to do. But you know what? I just want you to surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. It's his job to do it. It's our job to lay ourselves on the altar and say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. And let's go to those three PowerPoint slides that living the transformed life means being willing to change, being willing to be changed, and to trust God to do the changing. So there are, our part is really just to lay ourselves on the altar and be willing to let God do the changing. But it's going to start by renewing our mind. 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Paul's still talking about our bodies here, isn't he? Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Well, we might ask, bring our bodies into subjection to what? What is Paul exactly talking about? And I believe that Paul is talking about becoming... uh, Allowing God to change us from being carnally minded to being spiritually minded. The third part of who you really are is the part of you that was transformed, born again, passed from darkness into light, from death into life, the very life of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you this morning that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you because Jesus lives in us. And that part of you uh, has no doubt about God's word and his faithfulness is on fire for God every day. And it's a part of us that um, has come alive because Jesus lives there. And he, that is what Paul might refer to as the inward man. And what he's saying is your inward man's supposed to rule that body man, that body girl. And our, our bodies want to get up in the middle of the night and have a secret bowl of ice cream or wants to go uh, maybe just sit on the couch all day when you know that you've got other things that you 
quote unquote, should be doing. Your body talks to you. Your body aches sometimes. Your body says, I don't feel like exercising today. Just just skip a day. And then you skip another day and you skip another day, right? So your body has a, a, a mind, your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your emotion. And then there is our, our spirit girl, born again and alive to God. Um, and Paul reproved us uh, through the word. And this is interesting. He calls us baby Christians if we are body-ruled Christians. And he says it's because that you are letting your bodies rule them. And Paul said to them, you walk as mere men. In other words, you're not walking in the fullness of the freedom that is still inside of you, even though you're allowing your mind and your will and your emotions and your body rule. But the choice is ours. The choice is ours. We can let the body to continue to dominate us, or we can allow the body to keep doing the things that it's always done. We're very habit-forming, right? Or we can choose to keep our body under control. And as Paul says, that if we don't, we kind of disqualify ourselves. Now, God never disqualifies you from his love and his grace and his mercies. But We want to, you know, here's a good motivation for staying healthy so that you can keep up with your grandkids. That's one of my motivations. You can keep up with your little kids, right? Or you can um, be healthy enough to enjoy a long life and do everything that God has called and equipped you to do. In verse 2, back to Romans 12. Paul directs us to do something with our minds, and I want to call it a total mind makeover. Anybody ever have a makeover in here? Oh, it's fun, right? (laughs) Yeah, give me a new hairstyle. I need some new color. I want to look a little different. I want to feel a little different. But Paul is talking about getting a complete mind makeover, entire renewal by its new ideals, not conformed or adapted to the world's ideals. And the world's ideals are just a ways of thinking, Uh, I think one of the most prevalent ways that the world thinks is that it's always doom and gloom, you know, Uh, not a positive expectation of good, but a very positive expectation of negative, you know, it's like there's no good news on the horizon, there's nothing good coming down the pike, but God, that causes fear and worry and stress and anxiety, we don't feel safe. But see, that's where we're turning to ourself as our provision for that. But God's way of thinking is trusting him, dying to self so that we can grab onto God's ways of generosity, releasing fear, experiencing real peace no matter what storm is raging around us. And renewing our minds is really addressing the soul part of us, isn't it? The mind will and our emotions. In the Greek, the word mind uh, is nous. Probably slaughtered that. But it literally means in this verse, the God-given capacity of each person to think, reason, and a mental capacity to exercise reflective thinking. So we've been created this way. God gave us our mind. Uh, You're not to be 
a, a, a mindless, thoughtless person, but we are to pay attention to what's going on in our thinking and in our minds. And the, I, I like this quote, and uh, I have to give Creflo Dollar, an amazing grace preacher, teacher, uh, for this quote. And he says, the, the level that you allow God to transform and renew your, lo- your mind determines the level of victory you will experience in this life. We know once we get to heaven, there's no more trials, tribulations, and troubles. But while you're here, God has created you and equipped you for victory. So let's start experiencing it, right? And sometimes I take a little victory inventory on my life and say, is there any area in my life I feel defeated? And there usually is. And it's not God's problem. It's not God's fault. It's an area that I've not surrendered to him to get to become the overcomer, use the word of God to get me over that hurdle, to, to stay in a place of hope and expectation of good. And so we renew our minds so that we can begin to experience everything that Jesus paid so great a price for us to enjoy. And how do we renew our minds? I'm so glad you asked. Let's go to Hebrews 4.12. In the Amplified Classic, it says, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. Those are very powerful words, are they not? They're doing something. They're action words here. And this is the word of God. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. We know this scripture. But this is how the mind gets renewed, made new again. Penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life and soul and the immortal spirit and of joints and marrow, which just speaks of the deepest part of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. The word of God is the only book that is alive. It's more than just ink on paper and a number of books, not written by men, but written through men, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's why it is alive. When God speaks, life happens. He created the worlds and everything in existence, everything that lives with a word. His word is life. And so when we embrace the word, it begins to do that what? That exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging our very thoughts and purposes of our heart. And guess what? (laughs) That means the word of God makes a change in us. He gives us that capacity to think and reason, but it's the word of God that directs us to a place that brings life. You know, what happens when you're all stressed out? What happens when you, you start to, to listen to the, to, to the world's way of thinking? You know, you, you can get depressed in a heartbeat. You don't want to get out of bed. What's the use? Might as well throw in the towel. I've tried that and it didn't work for me. All right, and all of a sudden we've got what? A stinky attitude. And we've got to get a better attitude that lines up with the word of God because that's where our hope is. You know, I've, I don't know what we do without that. 
We, we just, we live a very meager, sad life, but that is not what God has provided for us. But it's kind of like setting the table, girls. If God has set the table and he's given us every kind of uh, food that we can enjoy and to nourish us and to, to enjoy with fellowship and everything, and we don't come to the table, you don't get to eat. So I'm inviting you to the table that's been set for us today because it's a good, good table. But see, only God's word can do that. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now that we have received, this is good, not the spirit of the world, but we have received the Holy Spirit who is from God so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. This might be my next life verse right here because I say it all the time. What Jesus paid so great a price for us to freely enjoy. And so we have received not the spirit of the world. That died when the Holy Spirit came in and brought life to your spirit and to mine. The Holy Spirit gives us knowing and understanding of spiritual things. And God's not holding anything back, girls. It says that they are freely given to us by God. But I have some really exciting news to share with you this morning. I hope this blows your your mind. Get ready. Are you ready? All right, don't fall asleep on me out there. Are you ready? Okay, you're ready. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, But we have the mind of Christ. Oh, I've heard that one over and over too. I know, I hear you. But can you let that sink in for a moment? But we have the mind of Christ, and the Amplified adds to that, to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. You know, we are not navigating this life alone trying to figure everything out. Here we're talking about the mind again. We're supposed to get a renewed mind, but don't forget, you already have the mind of Christ himself. Now I'm gonna dive into something that just really excited me because if I have the mind of Christ, then God's mind, Jesus' mind, is lacking in nothing. It knows everything. Nothing is impossible. Uh, It never gets depressed. It never gets stressed. And has the answer to every question. And I have the mind of Christ? Well, how do I tap into that? And that's always my quest. Do you know that Jesus is the doctor of doctors, the healer of healers, the pastor of pastors, the mom of all moms, the surgeon of surgeons, the scientist of scientists. He is everything and he knows everything. So when we need to know something, where should we go? Tap into the mind of Christ that's in you. I believe God wants to reveal that to us today, how to do that. But think like this. Uh, Chris Velotin calls it our spiritual intelligence. Okay, we're not supposed to be just dumb and a bunch of airheads. <laughs> okay, here's your spiritual intelligence that you have access to the mind of Christ for to solve complex challenges with God. 
with his thoughts and purposes that he wants us to engage in and to tap into. It's like, it works like your smartphone. I'm known to call this my dumb phone. Don't do that because she answers back and says, that's not nice. But, um, and my husband says, it's not a dumb phone, it's the user. And I said, okay, I'm trying to figure this out. You know, I'm back to the grandma way of doing, you know, like this. I tried this, my nails get in the way. Anyway, dumb phone. <laughs> Don't say this. <laughs> no, she really is smart. But on my phone, my smartphone, um, there is a lot of information. But when it is connected to Wi-Fi, now it's almost, I can't say it uh, completely, but it opens the door to the whole World Wide Web of information. Now I can, I've got unlimited data. I almost have unlimited information. Even my smartphone would be limited without access to the web. But even my phone has a finite source of information. But the Holy Spirit, when we tap into the mind of Christ, it's like turning on the Wi-Fi in your life. And now you have access to everything that God knows, everything that God has created. Don't you know that the person who knows the most about something is the person who created it or built it, right? They'll know every intricate part. God knows everything about you. He knows everything about your situation. He knows how to get you out of it. He knows how to get you through. He knows about that decision that you need to make. And he promised, I'll give you wisdom. Listen to my Holy Spirit. I'll give you a God idea that'll work better than any idea you could ever come up with. That's how we renew our mind. Not my way, but I am so open. Holy Spirit, my ears are just awaiting. And I believe that you're going to give me an unction. You're going to show me something. Sometimes uh, God just shows me a picture. And I will just do it and not argue with him and say, oh, that's dumb. How can I say that? That won't work. Uh, When it's God's idea, it'll prosper. Just a funny example of that. We had a, a, a man who was really gifted, a, a preacher, teacher, visit our church, a very gifted in the area of moving in that prophetic um, word of knowledge. And we're gonna talk a little bit about spiritual gifts here. And he said that when he speaks out something that he hears the Holy Spirit, he always tests it. He says, I, I, I wait on it. You know, God, I think, God, you're telling me something. And then he'll wait on it. And then God tells him again. And I think by the third time, he says, he'll speak it out. And he said, this time, God said the word hamburger. And he said, God, I am not going to say hamburger in this church service. Said so that's silly and embarrassing. And he heard the word again, say hamburger. And he argued with God, that's so silly. Why would I say hamburger? What in the world would hamburger mean to anybody here except make you hungry? And he said, finally, he stopped arguing with God. And he just said, does the word hamburger mean anything to anybody in this church service? And he said, a woman in the back row jumped up, ran all the way down the middle aisle. as she said, oh, she says, you'll never believe this. But I've been given a terminal uh, diagnosis. She had terminal cancer. And she said, my doctor's name is Dr. Hamburger. 
I've never met a Dr. Hamburger. But if that, and, and that woman got healed that day because God did something to help her faith to rise and she was able to receive, and it was a miracle. It was a miraculous healing that day. What if that preacher would have said, oh, I can't say that. That makes me look foolish. Isn't that what we do? Now, how will that make me feel? Instead of saying, okay, I'm going to take a chance, God. If you're telling me to say hamburger, let's go for it. And thank God that he did. But that's just an example that comes to mind. When it's God's idea, it's a great idea. We have good ideas, but just think about how much better a God idea is. So we not only have access to how God thinks about the problem, but what he thinks about it which would be the solution to the problem. And what if finding solutions to a problem is like Googling God? God, I, I, I really don't know which way to go. Sometimes God, I just feel like he gives me a green light. He goes, you know, what, what do you want to do? Either way, this or that, I can bless both of those. You, you just choose a direction. And I always, when I'm kind of at a crossroads, I will just say, God, I'm, I, I'm going to, by faith, I'm, I'm going to go this direction, but I'm going to keep my spiritual antennas up at all times because if this isn't the right thing, I know that my peace will be removed, and I promise I will make a 180-degree turn and go back. I will keep my spiritual antennas attuned to what you have to say. But I do say, follow the peace. That's one way that God leads us. It's not always in a, a, a word or even in a picture, but it might just be a feeling, and I call that a green light. Sometimes there's a red light. I know what red lights feel like because I know what green lights feel like. And so sometimes it's a growing process. There are some things that are like, absolutely not, that's not the right thing. But another example is, um, and you've probably heard me talk about this, um, since March... Um, we have not been able to teach um, the music program business that I developed 12 years ago. Um, daycares are still not allowing people into common areas, and so we have not been able to come and teach our music classes. Um, but when I first got started in this, I worked really hard for about a year and a half and developed all these lesson plans, and I was in four small daycares. It was a good start. God just kept saying, don't despise small beginnings. And so it was just me. I was presenting all these ideas. Some worked, some didn't. Some were failures. The ones that I thought the kids would hate, they loved. I was learning. I was learning how to bring everything down to a, a six-month-old uh, understanding of music all the way up to five years old. It was a huge learning curve, even for me. And I worked really hard until one day, about a year and a half into this, three out of four of those daycares said, sorry, but we're, we're just done. And the problem was, is that people were not paying and they didn't want to be the collection agency anymore. They love my program, but there was a big but, okay. I was so frustrated. I was so upset. It's like, God, why did you show me to do this? And when I worked so hard and now nothing's come of it, I feel like I've wasted a year and a half of my life and I have one teeny weeny little tiny daycare. Wine, 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 right? Where was my attitude? There was no gratitude there. But I was just being really frustrated and letting God know it. And I was kind of mad at him because I thought, wow. I really thought this is what you led me to do. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, hmm, 
You can quit if you want to. That's, that's your choice. But then I heard him say, but it would be a shame if you quit now. And I felt like, oh, great. Now I have to listen again. I have to surrender. I have to die to myself. Stop telling God all my woes and all my, all my disappointments and listen and say, okay, God, there's probably a better way for me to do this business that you can prosper. And long story short, he told me to call a, a large local chain There's several of them located around the Grand Rapids and beyond area and offered to give them one free hour of my time. I said, I would love to present to you to three or four different age groups what um, music curriculum that I've divided, I uh, developed, I call We Love Music, W-E-E for the little ones. And guess what? They all said, sure, they'll take something for free. But see, isn't that the way, isn't that God's way? He gave me a new business plan, a new marketing plan. He says, you do something for free and that I can bless. You give and I'll bless what you've given. And then actually in a matter of about three years, we went from four to one daycare to 14. And so God was able to bless that. I could have thrown in the towel and walked away and probably been okay. But God had a God idea that he could bless. And so I'm thankful. I can't wait to get back into the daycares because I miss my kiddos and I miss um, being able to share. And, you know, it doesn't take much. Um, I say this often. I, I do believe that the window of opportunity to share Jesus I mean, don't you know that the world isn't offended if you want to talk about God because there's, there's a big G God and a small, small G God. But you start talking about Jesus, that's the cornerstone that people stumble over. And so I tell my teachers, I've got four teachers, I said, we say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. That's not all we talk about. We teach a lot of music um, uh, concepts and so on. But I see that window closing and I, I am praying, because there are some daycares that say, we can't have you talking about Jesus anymore because it offends people. I can, I can teach music without talking about Jesus, but the ones that haven't said anything, we just keep doing it. But I just feel like um, even the kids sometimes rise up and say, why do you always talk about Jesus? Such an attitude of the world. And so I just get in their little faces. And I, one little boy, I just, I just got really close to him. And I said, you know why? Because Jesus loves you so much. He's, he just loves you. When he sees you, he just smiles. And he wants to live in your heart. And he, his eyes got really, really big. Because he thought he was going to get, you know, scolded or something. Because I got right in his face. And then we sang a song. We usually do one Bible verse song. Um, this is what love is. It's when Jesus laid down his life for us. I've told this story before, but I just love it so much. Same little boy, four or five years old. Throughout the whole song, he's going like this on his eyes. That's how little boys and big men cry. Because <laughs> they don't want anybody to see. And I'm watching his little heart just melt. And God did something so beautiful for him. And afterwards, he, he said, he says, Miss Karen, I, uh, my, my eyes keep watering. And I said, <laughs> I got right back in his face again. I said, because now you know that Jesus really does love you, don't you? He says, yeah, I do. So anyway, that just warms my heart. That's why I can't wait to get back into the daycares. But anyway, 
Living inside of us is the ultimate answer to all of life's problems because we have the mind of Christ. Come on, that just blows me away. And he can give you a strategy. He can give you a plan. Now, one thing that's really cool, too, is to know that the mind of Christ, this renewed mind, uh, there's signs that should start appearing in our, in our um, life. So let me just go run through a list. This is not exhaustive by any means. But you say, how, do, how can I know what a, 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 a renewed mind looks like? And let me just give you some, some suggestions here. If you have a renewed mind, you live in hope and not despair. And any thought in your mind that doesn't inspire hope is rooted in a lie. But you have been renewed to hope, which is a positive expectation of good, not based on what's going on in the world, but what's based on the Word of God. The Bible gives us hope. Number two, if you have a renewed mind, you begin to see the impossible as possible. Not the exception, but the rule when you see miracles. You know, Jesus walked in miracles and they were normal. They weren't once in a million years. They weren't once in a million prayer. Jesus walked in that and it was absolutely normal and reasonable. And our renewed mind begins to see that nothing is impossible for God. Number three, you live in peace even when you have a good reason to worry. Because there's stuff that comes along in our life and the automatic, natural response is to worry about it. But when you live in the peace of God, knowing that he's got this, he's got you, that we can have a positive expectation of good, your what-ifs become positive and not what-if being a negative. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, I'll interject here. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of forces. Ooh, I love those powerful words. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against a true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Talking about the mind again. That's where those thoughts live and what we listen to. Weapons are divinely powerful to the destruction of forces, fortresses. That word fortress in the Greek literally means speculations, and that's the what-ifs. And sometimes, just uh, for example, um, if God tells me, uh, you know, lay hands on this person and pray for them, and then your mind must say, well, what if it doesn't work? Okay, that would be a natural thought. But my, my renewed mind says, what if it does? And in fact, all of God's promises are yes and amen. So I will dare to pray for you because I'm not looking at what I'm capable of doing. I just know my God. And I'm saying the what if is possible. Number four, you like yourself. That's a good thing. And rejoice in your weakness. Why? Because you know when you're weak, he is strong. So we're not intimidated. Nobody enjoys, you know, looking or being torn down. We are our own worst critics, ladies. 
okay? If you're very negative to yourself, unfortunately what that happens is you will project that same judgment on other people and now you've got this push me, pull me, you know, I'm, I'm always, why do, I, why do I have problems in relationships? Why can't I just accept them? Because number one, you haven't accepted yourself. And the Bible wants you to like yourself, love yourself, rejoice in your weakness. It's okay. Let God be strong where we are weak. Number five, you're quick to forgive and you freely give others grace and mercy. This is a person whose mind has been renewed because you are so thankful to God for the grace that he has extended to us. He didn't have to. He doesn't have to love us just the way we are. He doesn't have to, to forgive us, but he already has. And we know that we've been forgiven much. And that renewed mind finds it so much easier to freely give others that same grace and same mercy, even if they don't deserve it. Because after all, we never got from God what we truly deserved. Number six, you're confident and thankful. You know, that thankfulness is like a vaccine. It inoculates you from pride. If I'm thankful, um, sometimes people uh, misinterpret confidence as arrogance. But arrogance would be if I see myself as my source of success. I did this. This is all me. Look at me. Look what I have done. But when you're thankful, you'll look at another person and say, thank you for what you've sowed into my life. I can be confident, thank you, God, that this is a result of me trusting in you. And number seven says you believe in others and give them the benefit of the doubt. Isn't that the golden rule too? Love other people, treat them like you yourself would like to be treated. But I like it the way it's said in 1 Corinthians 13 when it's talking about the love chapter. We all know that, right? But uh, one of the uh, translations versions says, love always believes the best in others. If you're believing the best in somebody, you're not judging them. You're not, you're not uh, thinking the worst about them. You're not judging others' motives. Ephesians 4, to 24 says, strip yourselves of your former nature, Put off, discard your old, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. And put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, God-like and true righteousness and holiness. I, I kind of call this the put off, put on scripture. First, he tells us, strip it off, put off this old uh, nature, discard it, this unrenewed self. It's our previous manner of life. But not only are you to stand there stripped naked, he says, here, put this on. Put on this new nature, the regenerated self. God makes all things new, and he can do that in you and in me. 